Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Crawley, and I got to start by being honest. I'm always honest, but we got to start this episode by being honest. So for those that don't know, most of you do, I was a political talk show host for 10 years before starting my new profession in the housing industry, the mortgage industry. And true, I don't watch politics the way I used to. And I'm much saner and better off for doing that. But it's still always there. And I have been very preoccupied the last week or so, but definitely yesterday with what was going on with the deadly bombings in Afghanistan that saw the loss of 13 U.S. service members. It was horrific. There's no doubt about that. And I was just kind of preoccupied. And I have not been watching sort of the housing sector the way I normally do. So I just wanted to let you know if you're like, hey, why wasn't Tyler talking about this story? I might have missed it because I have been preoccupied with other things that are going on. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. One of the things I always learn about broadcasting, which you have to be honest with your audience. And so I wanted to be honest that there could be some stories that I'm missing because I have been somewhat preoccupied watching more of the international news. But I have a job to do. I want to let you know what's going on in housing. (laughs) And that's what I am here to do. So start with the uh, big story, a well, not necessarily housing related, but it has an impact, no doubt about that. And that was our weekly jobless claims. So the weekly jobless claims failed to meet expectations with a slight increase for the week ending August the 21st but it's really not that bad. So initial claims were 353,000, which was an increase of 4,000, which was slightly above what they were projecting. They were projecting an increase, but only a 1,000 increase, not a 4,000. So not really that bad. Uh, The four-week moving average was 366,500, which was a decrease from the previous week's revised average. That was the lowest level that we have seen for the four-week moving average since March 14th, 2020. Now, continuing claims saw a decrease, but they also failed to meet expectations. Continuing claims were 2.86 million, a small 3,000 decrease from the previous week's revised level, but it did still reach the lowest level since March 14th, 2020. The four-week moving average was 2.9 million, a decrease of 108,000, and that was also the lowest level that we have seen since March 21st, 2020. I did want to let you know with continuing claims, they were projecting it would fall to 2.79 million. Not that off, but a miss nonetheless. Uh, Looking at the individual state level data, kind of a mixing pot as usual. The states with the largest increases were Virginia, New Mexico, D.C., Georgia, and Nevada. I know D.C. is not a state, but they kind of count it as like the 51st state. Uh, The states with the largest decreases were Texas, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, and Massachusetts. Now, some good news, once again, something that kind of barely moved were mortgage rates, at least according to Freddie Mac and their weekly survey for the week ending August the 26th. 
They have the 30-year fixed increasing only one basis point to an average of 2.87%. That is still down from a year ago when rates were at 2.91%. The 15-year fixed increased by one basis point as well to average 2.17%, which is down somewhat significantly from a year ago when it was 2.46%. Sam Cater, the Freddie Mac chief economist, said that opportunities are still out there for those who are looking to refi or purchase, but would-be buyers are still facing inventory issues. Sure, inventory levels have gone up, but they're still having issues. Cater said, quote, Overall, rates continue to be low with a window of opportunity for those who did not refinance under 3%. From a home buyer perspective, purchase application demand is improving, but the major obstacle to higher home sales remains very low inventory for consumers to purchase. I mean, when you're talking about hitting all-time lows, even when you move upwards, you're still from a historical standpoint looking at some very, very low numbers. And then finally, we got some interesting data yesterday from CoreLogic that was looking at some Q2 data, and they found that in June, permit authorizations were up, which is good, possibly more building, but so were lumber costs. (laughs) Like I said, this is according to the latest data report from CoreLogic. Single-family U.S. permit authorizations in June were at 105,122, which is a 25% increase from June 2020. That's great, but costs for lumber increased 129% when looking at June 2021 to June 2020. Now, here's the good news. If that, this is, these are the numbers from June, and I'm assuming they're looking at the numbers at the end of June. Currently, lumber futures are down 33% from the end of June. Now, what's even better news is that that's also down 70% from the high that we saw in early May when lumber futures were at $1,670. So yes, lumber is still elevated, but it is way, way down from the high that we saw, like I said, at the beginning of the summer. Now, the states with the largest residential reconstruction costs were Maine. They were up 3.3%, followed by South Dakota up 26 and Alabama at 2.5%. The states with the smallest increases, because there was nothing negative, the states with the smallest increases with regards to residential reconstruction costs, three-way tie at 0.7% with New Jersey, New York, and California. (laughs) You got to love it. The most expensive states to live in, and you're seeing the smallest residential reconstruction costs. I guess once you get to a certain point, they uh, can't go up anymore. Uh, And it should be noted, I think this is important, speaking of lumber, 72% of contractors are expecting project delays due to COVID-19, with lumber being the most reported material shortage at 33%. I mean, that's sort of the story that we have been hearing. There's this big debate about inflation and what's causing inflation. Is it all the cheap money out there? Probably is. Is it the supply chain uh, sort of bottlenecks that we've been seeing? Absolutely. The question is, which is the bigger factor? And we don't know. 
But we do know that we are seeing material shortages and we are seeing delays because of COVID. There is no doubt about that. And so the good news is, hey, they're, they're, they're optimistic. We're seeing more building permits being issued. That is always a good thing. But the downside is material costs are rising. Labor costs are rising as well. That was also reported by CoreLogic. I think the Teamsters was the biggest increase, not surprisingly, up 9%. But I think on average, labor costs are up somewhere around 5% year over year. So not only are material costs going up, but labor costs are going up. That makes a more expensive house. And so that does discourage builders, no doubt about that. All right, we got to wrap everything up, um, but I do want to close. I mentioned Afghanistan. We're not going to talk about it. This is not a political podcast. (laughs) It's just not. But I do want you to do this. I want you to say a prayer for everyone in Afghanistan right now, the Americans, the soldiers who are out there trying to get those Americans home. Say a prayer for them over the weekend. I would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. We as all Americans should appreciate it. They have a very difficult job over there. So just do that. If you can do that for me, I would appreciate it. And I will be talking to you guys again on Monday morning. You guys enjoy your weekends. And as always... Do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.